Thanks for joining us on the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show. This episode is sponsored by the Black & Veatch Next Gen Ag Team. Learn more about Black & Veatch at www.bv.com. We're excited to have Didier Tubia back on the show. Our first episode with Didier was recorded back in June of 2018, almost three years ago. Didier Tubia is the co-founder and CEO of Aleph Farms, a cultivated meat company that is shaping the future of food by growing slaughter-free beef steaks directly from cow cells, preserving the natural resources and avoiding the use of antibiotics. Prior to Aleph Farms, Didier co-founded and led Ice Cure, which went public in 2010 and served as the CEO of NLT Spine, which was acquired by C-Spine in 2016. Didier was trained as a food engineer and biologist at Agrosup Dijon in France and holds a joint executive MBA from Kellogg and Reconati. Didier, I'd like to welcome you to the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show. Thanks a lot, Alex. I'm super glad to come back to this great show. Didier, for listeners that might not be familiar with Aleph Farms, please give us a quick introduction to the company. Aleph Farms has been co-founded with the Strauss Group, which is a food company here in Israel, and with the Technion, the Israeli Institute of Technology. In 2017, actually, we started working on the platform approximately one year before, and half and mid-2016. And the purpose was really to adapt a technology platform originally developed by at the Technion for regenerative medicine to uh, growing steaks for human food. And until today, the collaboration we have with uh, Professor Levenberg and her lab is uh, really a cornerstone of Aleph Farms' competitive edge associated with growing uh, steaks and structured meat versus minced meat. Since then, of course, we have added additional expertise and capabilities, R&D is to be led by and we have uh, 25 researchers supplementing one another. But this is uh, how we started. Great. And we've definitely come quite a ways since we last spoke. In our first episode, you were alluding to an upcoming kind of proof of concept announcement or tasting. Can you tell us about that initial tasting that your team hosted at the end of 2018 with that video? Yes, of course. It was uh, super exciting. We have a uh, actually released in December 2018 the testing of a first prototype uh, based on the first technology platform we have uh, developed using a scaffold. It was released by the Wall Street Journal at the time. And since then, we have obviously turned this early prototype into a commercial prototype, which is very similar to the actual product we aim at releasing at the end of next year. And this first testing was about a beef steak. It was actually a slice of beef steak and incorporating three different cell types onto a plant-based uh, scaffold. And there were actually a couple tastings or kind of continuous announcements after that, anywhere from like celebrities tasting the product to the more the recent ribeye announcement. How was that experience? Yes, Alephams is developing uh, two different platforms, one which relies on uh, a plant-based scaffold, and this first platform is a uh, base on which we'll uh, release our first product line. And in parallel, we are developing additional products, and uh, we have developed a second technology platform which relies on 3D bioprinting for thicker and fattier steaks. Overall, we intend to provide a full range of products, the goal of Alex is to become one of the three largest meat producers in the world. So we're not a single product company. 
Uh, the second platform will be released probably a few years later as uh, the, the scale up will require more time. But we're, we're definitely working on a on a range of different approaches and different applications of the cultivated meat concept. And you're right, we released, I think it was in January this year, a few months ago, a couple of months ago, the pictures of cultivated ribeye, which was the first product we've developed based on the second platform. And in general, all the testings we've had so far have been very positive. And I must say that really working day and night 24-7 on developing something and you have external people coming which are completely independent, testing the meat and providing you great feedback that's uh, very uh, satisfying. At the end of the day, we believe that for cultivated meat to be a real option in the market, it's not enough for us to be able to produce meat more efficiently or more ethically. Our meat should, of course, be tasty, but it should also fit into the food culture of the different regions and geographies we are active in. At the end of the day, meat is an emotional product. It's not a functional product, which is just intended to fuel the body or to provide proteins. We don't like the term alternative proteins. I think being considered a protein is reducing very much the depth of what we do. Meat is about emotions. Meat is an experience. And providing this experience to independent external testers and successfully delivering this set of emotions is very important for us. That's right. I guess if you're going grocery shopping and you have protein on your checklist, that's just what you do to satisfy requirements. But when you actually crave something, you'll never say that I'm craving protein. It's more of I want this type of food or that type of food. So the 3D bioprinting technology platform that was used to create the ribeye proof of concept. Is that correct? Exactly. And that's uh, correct. Okay. And Will that technology, the 3D bioprinting, be used in the large-scale manufacturing process once we do start working on large-scale quantities? Or is 3D bioprinting something that will only be used in the research and development phase? We're working on commercial applications of 3D bioprinting for cultivated meat. And our intention is uh, to incorporate those technologies into a scalable production process. And again, we expect that the time to market for this type of products will be slightly longer than with products based on scaffolds, but to definitely have a clear path to get there as well. Great. And I really like how you said that when your team is working 24-7 on something you're very passionate about, really great progress happens. And that's really the startup way. In our first episode, I had asked about when Aleph Farms might come to market. And you mentioned that 2021 was the goal. Are we still on schedule for some sort of limited commercial release sometime this year? I think we talked about completing the R&D, the research and development phase for first product at the beginning of 2021. And we actually advanced this date to November 2020. We revealed the pictures of our first commercial prototype in November last year. We're currently in the process of building a pilot production facility here in Israel, which should be operational before the end of 2021. So we will have some production capabilities already available by the end of this year. But we do expect that a first commercial launch will probably be during the course of 2022. And if I remember well, at the time, we talked about commercial launch beginning of 2023. So overall, we're a bit ahead of our initial roadmap sticking to the plan and advancing our tasks even a bit quicker than initially 
as scheduled. Great. And for those listening in, we'll be putting links to videos and photos of that initial announcement and links to articles for some of the other announcements in the show notes. So if you haven't seen them, be sure to check them out. DDI, we had a great discussion about the Aleph Farms experiments in space at the last CMS. Can you give us a quick overview of really how that entire space experiment came to be? Yes, of course. First, our test program, which we have launched formally last year, is named Aleph Zero, is a part of a long-term strategy to advance food security on Earth. And the vision of Aleph Farms is to provide unconditional and high-quality nutrition for anyone, anytime, and anywhere. And by that, providing unique solutions for providing food locally and locally produced, empowering the communities, food production, which would be resilient to climate change, but also independent to the local availability of natural resources, such as land and water. And we do see space for us as a lab for developing the most advanced approaches in terms of circular production and closed-loop production systems in terms of producing meat with near-zero resources. So same as uh, some car manufacturers might have a Formula One team, which is testing new technologies, new materials in the most demanding environments. And then once validated, those same innovations are transferred into the day-to-day car we're using privately. We do see our space system as a kind of Formula One team for sustainability. We've been very lucky to partner early on with the 3D bioprinting technologies, which is a company which has a 3D bioprinter at the International Space Station. And the very first experiment we have conducted in September 2019 has been actually operated by our partners. And since then, we have developed a much more structured plan for the next six to seven years. So one thing I really like about that is the idea that if you can create something with very limited or even zero resources, then you could create that really anywhere in the world. And I think when it comes to food, that is very important. And I love the reference to the Formula One team. And it actually gives a lot more weight to the the name Aleph Zero. It sounds pretty cool. You know, you mentioned the team is about 25 researchers now. What would you say is the company focus at this time? Firstly, getting the name of our space program, Aleph Zero, is a symbol in math, which is the smallest infinite. And the idea is to make infinite closer and to allow deep space exploration and to allow building human colonies on the outer space closer to the infinite. So that's the rationale behind the the name Aleph Zero. That's really cool. And the original company name Aleph Farms, is that related to Aleph Zero as well? (laughs) Not necessarily, but that that connects very well. The name Aleph Farms, if you're asking, Aleph is the first letter of an ancient alphabet, which was a Phoenician alphabet, but also became the alpha in Greek, Aleph in Hebrew, and is also the origin of the Arabic alphabet. And the symbol for Aleph the first letter of this ancient alphabet was the head of an ox. Other ancient languages, the letters were written as uh, drawings of different people or animals. And Aleph is the head of an ox. And we like the concept of connecting innovation with the origins of civilization. And uh, what we do at, actually at Aleph Farms is really to start a new era of domestication. The way we look at cultivated meat and cellular agriculture in general is that same as 12,000 years ago. People 
found a way to incorporate into a controlled environment spontaneous phenomenon for animals to reproduce and grow in the wild and started to domesticate those animals so to get better access to their food with less resources and more control. We're implementing exactly the same idea and at the level of the edible part of the animal. So we do see other farms as a very much connected to the origins of agriculture, which have been the turning point in developing structured civilizations and the societies for humanity. So we don't want to be too pretentious that this combination of connecting innovation with the roots of what we are is very much connected to the concepts behind the other farms. Wow. And I'm looking at the logo now, and now I totally get it. And it's like an ox and Maybe I'm reading too far into it, but it also looks like a steak too. Whereas before I didn't even put those connections together. That's great. Actually, the logo of elephants is a dimension letter Aleph, which is the head of an ox. Yeah, but back to your question, elephants, we focus on developing quality products, meaning steaks. We don't produce processed food or minced meat, which can also be of high quality, but is more commoditized today in the market. And we believe that for cultivated meat to become successful, we really need to focus first on higher-end type of products and higher selling price, but also quality products uh, positioning. That's why we make only steaks. And we also focus on beef for two reasons. The first one is the same focus on quality meat. And beef is definitely regarded as the highest quality of meat you can find in the market today, but also because of the environmental impact of cattle and uh, beef production. And other farms has a strong focus on sustainability, which connects us back to the space program. Second, we also work only with the natural cells, which haven't been neither genetically engineered nor immortalized, uh, but still suitable for mass production and scalable, uh, uh, looking at uh, large-scale uh, cultivation facilities. And third, we also developed a proprietary mass cultivation process based on five different modules which are highly proprietary to elephants. And elephants, we believe it's not enough just to assemble existing biological technologies which have been developed for the pharma industry to use serum-free growth medium which can be developed by third parties to use different types of uh, cell lines to put all those pieces together and to scale it up. We believe that for cultivated meat to really reach its goals in terms of scalability, in terms of uh, cost reduction, but also in terms of product quality, we really need to rethink cell cultures and not necessarily to rely only on what has been developed for the pharma industry. So that those are, I would say, the three characteristics of other farms from the technology standpoint, and focusing on, on steaks and pieces of meat and natural cells, proprietary production platform. And to achieve that, we have built a great team. I'm very lucky to work with some of the most smartest people I know. And at the end of the day, everything comes back to the quality of the team you work with. Is the company exclusively focusing on beef then? We decided to focus on beef first for the same reasons I mentioned before, meaning focus on higher quality of meat to start with and uh, focus on uh, environmental impact, but we might uh, enter additional species down the road. And that's, again, our goal is to become a very large meat company. We're not a single product uh, company. We're really looking um, very widely at all the, the possibilities. If we talk about beef versus other, other species, first, the selling price of beef is four to six, sometimes even 10 times higher than minced chicken, for instance demonstrating both the higher positioning value you can have with beef 
but also the ability to get quicker to profitability because initially the production costs for cultivated meat will be relatively high and will get down with the scale very similarly to other innovations such as solar panels, PV panels, or electric vehicles, EVs, or even digital cameras at the time, which were very expensive originally and then with a scale, so a sharp decrease in production costs. And today we have digital cameras in any basic smartphone. So cultivated meat will follow the same process and similar shape of cost curve, starting relatively expensive and then moving mainstream as the scale increases. And we believe that the starting high end will be key. On the environmental side, as you probably know, and most of the greenhouse gas emissions of the farming industry are actually emitted by the cattle industry, by beef and milk and dairy industries. The amount of water, of land used, you know, we, we're talking about 10 to 15,000 liters of water for producing one single kilogram of beef, and you can translate in, in US-based uh, units. We can talk about the, the land used for producing beef, which is not only the land for grazing, but also the land used to grow the crops, which serve as animal feed, feeding the cows and the cattle. And the loss of biodiversity associated with monoculture of soy and maize for animal feed, the deforestation associated with that in, in the Amazonas or other parts of the world. And beef is definitely the most impactful agricultural activity today. And we believe we can increase the efficiency of beef production much more than the efficiency of poultry production. The transformation rate of input to output is 9 grams of proteins from feed to produce 1 single gram of protein from beef and meat versus 1.4 grams of proteins from animal feed to produce 1 gram of poultry of chicken and meat. The transformation rate of beef is not as favorable as other animals, and, and we can definitely improve this ratio and much better than we can for other species, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is a, like a good transition to the next question, which is transparency has always been a big part of the Ella Farms mission. And I think this is really important when we are talking about the idea of consumer acceptance. And so how do you think that consumer acceptance of cell-cultured meat has changed since the company actually started back in 2017? Yeah, that's a question. First, the consumer acceptance is evolving relatively quickly and positively. The last market surveys we have performed in the US, but also in the UK, in, in France, Germany, Japan, show great potential. We're working in the process of uh, publishing and additional surveys we have performed in, in the US. And you can see that expected acceptance is uh, growing uh, steadily over time. And uh, we've seen a uh, constant improvement over the last uh, few years, and especially with the younger generation and the generation Z. The younger generation is usually more keen on cultivated meat, environmental and impact and animal welfare improvements, while the older generation is uh, usually more open to cultivated meat for uh, different reasons, uh, primarily for health reasons and for food safety and food security motivations as well, which is interesting. But overall, in the overall population, I think until a couple of years ago, the rule of thumb was that uh, two-thirds of the overall population was uh, interested to try and, or to purchase cultivated meat, while today at uh, higher numbers. And yes, I believe that based on, to build on your question, first, yes, transparency will be key to actually transform this 
expected acceptance into actual purchasing acts. Consumers want to know where the food comes from. They want to know what has been the inputs, how it has been produced. We have to build trust in this new production method for meat. Elephants has been the first and to the best of my knowledge so far the only company in the space to open a visitor center, which is half working currently because of COVID. We expect to reopen it completely very soon. We started to operate this visitor center one year and a half, uh, one year and a half ago, six months before COVID really started to hit us. But we also believe that it will be key to manage the consumer acceptance with a good product. And we believe that the expectations of the consumers are very high today. And we have to make sure that we don't disappoint consumers with products which do not meet their expectations. In my views, we shouldn't rush to launch anything. We really need to respect the consumer and to develop products for them and not just for checking boxes with investors. And that's always, you know, for startups, pressure we have to be first to market, to, to launch what is called time to market is, is like critical. On the other hand, we believe that time to acceptance is even more important than time to market. Because at the end of the day, what will really make the industry successful and a single company successful as well, individual companies, will not be to be first to the market, but rather build a strong, a robust infrastructure for driving acceptance. And we've seen that in many new industries. If I, I talked before about electric vehicles. There are electric vehicles in the US since the 70s for almost 50 years, which haven't been successful. And Tesla you know, came in with a different concept, better technology platform and more attractive products. And actually, they're currently driving the acceptance for electric cars through the entire industry. And I think that the value of Tesla today is uh, probably greater than the, the sum of the company valuations of most of the largest car manufacturers altogether because they've been the first to get the technology platform and the product. And we've seen that. I'm currently sitting in front of my computer. And if you think about Google, which hasn't been the first search engine, but they got the technology improved and the product. I'm old enough to recall Alta Vista or Yahoo. <laughs> I don't know if you would. <laughs> we see this in many new industries that companies which really drive acceptance and make this industry relevant. And at the end of the day, also drive most value are not necessarily the first companies to come to market. Those are the companies which are the, the first companies to get the technology platform so that the product is appealing and is positioned right to drive acceptance. I think it's interesting when you're talking about a better technology for a search engine or even your car, but I think it's even more important when you're talking about food that you eat. So I really like those examples and I think it makes a lot of sense. This next question I like to call the time machine question. And so what are some things that you have learned and that your team has learned that if you could go back three years, you would definitely share with your team in the past? I would say that one of the most important things I've learned through my career of entrepreneur, I've managed two of the startups before Alifums, one who took a public interview and another one which has been acquired in 2016 when I started to work on Alifums. And especially with Alifums is that you should be humble. Humility is the most important success factor in innovation especially in food, because of what we said, that food and meat in particular is so emotional, so cultural. 
it has so many social aspects into it that if you just focus on making the best technology and thinking that you have the solution to solve the issues of the world, you can't succeed. You really need to listen to the different stakeholders, in our case, to the farmers, to the policymakers, to the consumers, and really learn from them and accept that you don't always know better than them what they need, which is usually the case if you don't know better than them what they need, and make sure that the solution you develop is not just a technological solution to a problem, but rather a solution which fits into an ecosystem which really drives the right transition from within. You know, if we're talking about alternative proteins, there had been many ways in the past to try and produce proteins more efficiently. It did not work because the issue is not just to produce proteins efficiently. The issue is to produce meat, in our case, which would fit into the food culture of the consumers. The consumers will want to incorporate into their diet but also would fit into the agricultural ecosystem. We do see cultivated meat and cellular agriculture in general as an integral part of agriculture. And we have to analyze and understand the different forces in agriculture today, the, the demographic issues and the difficulties of the farmers, the limitations of industrial agriculture, and to work hand in hand with the players in the space to solve issues together. And that's for me the, the key. And that has become more and more central in the way Alifarms is looking at its market as we've been uh, progressing and moving forward uh, toward the uh, launch next year. I couldn't think of a better transition to really ask about the Gen Z board. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, of course. That's uh, super exciting. Actually, at Alifarms, as I said, we're very much focused on sustainability, which is about making sure that the world can continue and sustain itself moving forward and the world will remain and will become a better place to live for our children. You know, my children are my primary motivation for elephants. So we're very much directed to the future generation and we can't really develop our vision and our strategy and implement our plans without taking into account those central stakeholders. You know, we can't build a better world for the future generations without having those future generations involved in all the vision development and have their voice heard and incorporated into what we do. It wouldn't make sense. That's connected to what I said before about making sure that you listen and to the stakeholders. So the Z-Board activity is a great initiative intended to have leaders of the Generation Z taking part in a nine-month program together with us. In the previous cohort, we had members from New Zealand, from Hong Kong, from Canada, from France, Israel, the US. We're just starting a new cohort now with a strong representation from Brazil, for instance. And actually, the greatest exchanges we have with those people. I learned most from them. I love it. That's great. And exciting that they really do represent really all parts of the world. You can learn more about Didier on LinkedIn and learn more about Aleph Farms at www.aleph-farms.com. Didier, do you have any last insights or announcements for our listeners today? Yeah, I think what we're seeing today in the cellular agriculture ecosystem is super exciting. And we're on a historical turning point of the recent human history. What we do see in the last 12, 24 months, the leading cellular agriculture companies really moving from R&D toward industrialization, where we see more and more interest from consumers, from 
the leading meat and food players of the world, but also more and more validation of the economic viability of cultivated meat and of the environmental benefits. And we're really seeing in front of us with our own eyes this vision being progressively transformed into reality. And that's great. I'm super excited to be part of this uh, new category of uh, meat. And I, I just invite the audience to follow after the developments of this industry to stay tuned. I believe there will be a lot of uh, interesting events and interesting opportunities to really be engaged in the next uh, couple of years. Didier, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your insights on the Future Food Show once again. Thank you very much, Alex. And uh, looking forward to meet again soon. This is your host, Alex, and we look forward to being with you on our next episode. This program was produced by H Media. We'll see you soon.